0: This is the Let's Get Real Estate Show with your host, Danielle Chason. Full-time investor,
1: strategic consultant, motivational coach, sought-after speaker, and
0: host of your number one real estate investing show, Let's Get Real Estate. Where real people are doing real estate. Hey everybody, it's Rachel Oliver. I'm here with Danielle Chason on Let's Get Real Estate Podcast. Today I'm going to talk about how I took my naysaying husband from saying no to real estate to saying hello, cash flow. Enjoy the podcast.
1: Hey everybody, it's Danielle Chayson here with the Let's Get Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, and today we have Rachel Oliver, Miss Rachel Oliver on the show. Woo woo! Welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you. So happy to be here. (laughs) So listen, I wanted to get you on the show because you are killing it in the RTO space. And just wanted to share your story with everybody, how you got into real estate. And you and I were having a conversation actually, uh, I think two weekends ago, uh, when we were having drinks by the pool and we were talking about... um, your challenge when you first started getting into real estate on, on getting your hubby on board. And I think that is something that a lot of people resonate with. And that's why I kind of wanted to highlight that because there's a lot of people that want to get into real estate and it's big numbers. Real estate is scary if you don't know anything about it, uh, because if you lose, you lose big. And so you were one of those people that had that challenge. So um, before we get into that, though, I would love if you could tell the world and the audience what um, what your niche is, what type of real estate investing you do, and kind of how, just see a little bit about your backstory. Introduce yourself to the audience, a little bit about your backstory and what you do.
0: Cool. Um, I started investing in real estate in 2009, and uh, I've been focused on it full-time since 2014. So it's been a long journey, and in the process, I mean, I've done over 600 rent-to-own deals. So the journey started really with um, wanting to break the glass ceiling. I was working for corporate, climbing that corporate ladder, and getting exhausted from you know having to beg for vacation time and ask for time off when I needed to spend time, um, you know, with my family. And it was, you know, and then of course, when you get bonus checks, well, half of it was going to the government. And what did the government do to contribute to that project that I slaved over? So it just became very clear that I was fulfilling somebody else's dreams and someone else's agenda. And I knew I was better than that. And I knew also that wealth, True wealth and freedom can be created through real estate investing, because I read the uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad book, and that really opened up my eyes to the possibilities. So I started to, you know, kind of keep it in the back of my mind. But the real blow hit when I was diagnosed with breast cancer right after we had our first child. And that's when I kind of realized, oh, my goodness, time is really limited. At any point, you know, time can be taken away from you. And about six months after I had gone through, you know, treatments and doctor's appointments, I blinked and my maternity leave was over. And I had to go back to the 60, 70, 80-hour weeks. And I just said, "Uh uh-uh. And uh, I said, no more. I need to find another way to replace my job income and at the same point, open up the opportunity to create my own freedom and wealth. And that's where I said, okay, I'm doing this.
1: And would you say that getting diagnosed with cancer, that was really a big eye-opener as to how valuable spending time with your family and having the choice to do what you wanted um, that, you know, there's, that's a life-changing event and that changes your entire perspective, right?
0: That's exactly what happened. It was the ultimate trigger. I mean, I had it in the back of my mind, but you know, human nature is to procrastinate and a confused mind always stays in indecision. Uh, and oftentimes a confused mind says no. (laughs) (laughs) So for For me, that is exactly what was happening. And I consider myself an action taker. And yet I was still sitting on the sidelines. And it wasn't until I got this diagnosis, bam, I was like, wake up call, do this or else. So absolutely, it was it was definitely the catalyst.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of people, we can justify anything, right? You know, you can say, oh, I, I'll do it after I'm done with the kids. After the kids go to school, I'll do it once I have enough equity in my home. I'm going to do it once I, you know, and then the next thing you know, you wake up and you're in your 40s and you, you wish you'd have started in your 20s. Ask me how I know. And so, you know, that's that's kind of the trap that we fall into. So, oh, I'm going to, this is going to sound terrible, but it was almost a blessing what happened to you because it really pivoted you onto a, a entirely different journey for you to potentially be happier in your life because you're doing things that are more fulfilling for yourself.
0: And Danielle, you and I are totally on the same page in that. And I often say, thank God I got cancer because that opened up my eyes to what I wasn't doing, how quickly I wasn't moving and where I was falling short in terms of freedom, freedom of earnings, freedom of time, Um, in many cases, freedom of choice. And when those things are taken away from you, I don't know, you're a control freak like I am, <laughs> you know, you know what happens to us. So I turned into this crazy Tasmanian devil's like, okay, where do I need to go? Who do I need to talk to? What do I need to read? What courses do I need to take? And I was just, you know, I, I had one goal in mind and that was to replace my full-time corporate job income, which was, you know, Quite lucrative in the six figures. And it wasn't going to be an easy journey. I knew I had some challenges ahead. And the first obstacle, of course, was getting my husband on board.
1: (laughs) And that's why we're here today. Because I was going to say, as you decided to, you know, you completely pivot, did a whole 180, and you, you know, changed your whole perspective and everything, and decided to go after new goals in, in your life um, there's new challenges. And with that comes the naysayers that are, you know, in our inner circle who are traditionally people that we respect and that we trust. And when they're not, um, supporting us or they're giving us all the negatives, well, you can't do that because this is going to happen. And, you know, how do you deal with that? So how did you overcome that obstacle? And in, and itself, I think there's, I think there just would have been a lot of challenges as you're going along your journey.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, my first challenge was that I was married to Mr. No. no I mean, literally, Mr. No. His name is Neil Oliver. His oh. initials are N-O.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's so funny.
0: And who knew? He totally lived up to that Mr. No persona. Because when I said to him, um, honey, I have this great idea. I'm going to leave my full-time six-figure job income And we're going to start investing in real estate and we're going to replace my job income with real estate. And then we're going to replace your job income with real estate. And then we're going to have all the time freedom in the world to spend with our children and have more children and take vacations. And yeah, (laughs) he looked at me like I was from another planet. He thought it was completely ludicrous.
1: And I think a lot of people can relate to that, too, because um, if you don't understand it, then it's it, it sounds it's it's a big dream. It's a big goal. That's a big audacious goal. Like that's a bag what we call. And so everybody if, unless you're in real estate, a lot of people are going to look at you and say you're not you're not you're losing it. So how did how did you deal with that? How did you not let that take you down? Because that does take down a lot of people.
0: Uh, Yeah, that's a really good point. Now that I think back on it, um, I wish I had some therapy to (laughs) to give me some. I really didn't have anyone in my social circle or in my family circle that was involved in any kind of real estate investing. But I was very fortunate that my husband's mother was an entrepreneurial mind. And she was very uh, out of the box thinking. And she actually seemed optimistic. And I thought, okay, well, she gave birth to Mr. No. So if she is saying, go for it, then I just have to find a way. She actually was a huge influencer in giving me the courage. And I ultimately started saying, okay, well, if, you know, my husband is not seeing what I'm seeing, or he doesn't have the same, you know, big, hairy, audacious vision, that's okay. I will Trailblaze and I'll figure out I'll figure out what's going to make him say yes. That really became my mission. It wasn't really about how do I get my first property or get my first investment under my belt. My mission was to get enough information and create enough confidence in my husband to want to do this with me. Because I knew that if we weren't on the same page, I wouldn't go as far and I wouldn't reach that, you know, I, I'd reach certain goal but I would probably plateau and in order to get be you know beyond the initial goal and then exceed and keep exceeding and keep setting the standard higher I needed him on board and we were a family we were a team so that really was my mission I started going to um, what was called you know Uh, Networking events back then, they were kind of, you know, meetup groups essentially. There were very few of them. Some of them were on Saturday mornings, some of them were on Thursday evenings, but whatever group I could go-to, I immersed myself in that conversation. I needed to learn the language and immersing myself in those meetup groups was really the first step. It was intimidating because people would come up to the front of the room and say, hey, you know, I'm on my third deal. Oh, I'm on my 15th deal. Who wants in? And they would describe their, their transactions and I would be just so in awe that, oh my God, these people are doing it for reals. So cool. So I was inspired by that. So I was learning the language. I was inspired by the people. And then I started to, of course, connect with people that were doing what I wanted to do. And that was really an important shift that paved the way for me to be able to start talking the talk in front of my husband. (laughs) Because I would come back and I would share, I learned this, I talked to this person, and I saw this possibility. And one of the people I met in one of the meetups was a man who had done 20 um, 20 rent-to-own deals, And I thought, wow, that's incredible. He's my hero. And I started talking to Neil about what this guy is doing and how he's doing it. And I guess when you start talking about people that are taking action, it's no longer about me aspiring to do something that Neil thinks it's impossible. It's me talking about someone that is showing that it's possible. So Neil started to tune in. He wasn't exactly saying yes. (laughs) that that came a little
1: (laughs) later but you but you were able to present to him the impossible and move it into the possible realm and I think that was probably a critical piece in in the journey to getting him to a yes um and you know I just love how you said you immersed yourself in it and and your goal now, when you realize that you didn't have his support, your goal wasn't about acquiring properties and doing rent to owns or rentals or whatever it was you were trying to decide at the time. Your goal was, I need to get him on board first. And instead of, I think, I think a big thing that people do is they fight it with their spouses or whoever it is the naysayer is in their life and they resist it and they try to push it. And then now you just kind of in a tug of war rather than embracing it and saying, okay, I understand your concerns, acknowledging it and then bringing it to the forefront and then finding a way to help that person understand what you understand. And I think that's what it boils down to is because people just don't know. And so they're very fearful of potential losses. And and I think um, it's also a misunderstanding. I think people out there they they, they diss the naysayers the naysayers, in my opinion, in my honest opinion, I think nine times out of 10, they're just trying to protect us because typically they're in our inner circle and they just don't want us to get hurt. And it's something they don't understand, but they know they've heard the horror stories in real estate and there are enough out there. And so they just want to protect us. And they're just trying to say, no, don't do that because you, you might get hurt. And, um, so, so that's where we come from. So you had, you took a, an interesting, route though because you tried to explain it to him yourself and I'm not a big advocate in doing that especially with couples because a lot of times they'll never respect you for what you know in real estate because they don't see you as a real estate investor they see you as a wife did you at any point bring him along with you to get that third party validation or to learn from somebody else
0: Mm. are you kidding? Absolutely not. There was always a game on TV, or we couldn't get a babysitter excuse, or he's working late. There was always something. He just was not making it a priority. So I completely agree with you. It's always better to let the third-party experts or, you know, know know-it-alls share something um, rather than me trying to paraphrase and sound confident and intelligent. I definitely um, hit a wall there. But I I kind of did one better than that. I thought, okay, he's not attending any of these meetings with me. He doesn't want to sit in the same rooms as I am. No problem. That's when I thought, what if I introduce him to someone who could mentor us? Ooh. And that's really where it all changed. I basically said, hey, I met this guy. He's done lots of deals. He is where I want to be. And he's an engineer. So he's a smart guy. Let's tune into what he has to say. And what Neil didn't realize is that behind the scenes, I kind of cornered the guy to say, hey, (laughs) what's it going to cost for you to mentor us for the next six months to get our first rent-to-own deal done? And I already had this negotiated with the guy. So by the time Neil met him, I really presented this guy saying, Hey, Neil, this is so-and-so, and and he's going to mentor us on how to do our first deal. You're cool, right? like, well, I'm not sure, I need to understand this a little bit better. And I said, I know, you're a numbers guy, and what better person to introduce you to the numbers than the guy that is going to mentor us. So our first mentoring session was really about how to run the numbers. So I understood that Neil was a numbers guy, and he would never listen to the numbers for me because I am not a numbers person, math is not my strong suit, so I brought in the big guns. And when Neil saw the numbers and he heard it from a third party, as you were saying, his mind opened up to the possibility. He still wasn't a full on yes, but he was now tuning in. Right.
1: And I think that's critical. I think it's brilliant what you did. And and again, it comes back to that third party credibility, but you got to work with what you got and you can't. You, you can't force people to leave their homes if it's not their passion, it's your passion. So it's really hard, but you got to get creative. And I think that's the interesting thing about successful real estate investors is that there's not any one path to get to the solution or to get to the goal that you want to get to. There's, you can go over, under it, around it, through it. And so you weren't able to get through it. So you went around it. And instead of trying to get Neil to go out to these meetups with you, you brought the meetup home. <laughs>
0: Love that. We got it (laughs) with the one authority that was playing in the sandbox that we needed to learn better.
1: And I think that's absolutely genius. I love that. So then that opened up his mind, got his curiosity, and and then what? So continue. Let's continue on that journey. When you were able, when you were ready to pull the trigger and put an offer on a property down and move forward. You ran the numbers, and he's like, "Okay, I, I see. I see the potential. I see the potential. Maybe it could work. In theory, it could work because I kind of know how naysayers work. In theory, that could work. All these other things could go wrong. The market could crash. The rates could go up, and yeah, a whole bunch of things could go wrong. But there's it maybe, maybe. So then you're ready to pull the trigger and put a property under contract. What does that look like?
0: so well first of all we had to think about where the money was coming from and this involved a completely different lesson in refinancing oh so you know fixed rate mortgages and variable rate mortgages weren't even in neil's vocabulary <laughs> and when i was talking about refinancing he's like refa huh <laughs> what you want to take money out of the the house that we're aiming to pay down and become Mm mortgage-free because that's the narrative. That is is the narrative we've all heard, and he's no different. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was like, oh, crap, he doesn't know this part because I've already learned it through all of the meetups that I've been attending. Mm -hmm. So I'm 10 steps ahead of him in my understanding of this. To me, this is a no-brainer. Meanwhile, I was like, okay, we have to take a step backwards, and we need to understand how this is all going to work. So (laughs) cue mortgage professional from CIBC. (laughs) Talk to Neil. (laughs) So luckily, luckily at that time there, there were, you know, the mortgage professionals that come to you, um, you know, the, you don't have to go into the branch again, Neil did not want to go anywhere. So I had to bring the third party credibility to Neil. So basically mobile agent, meet Neil, talk about mortgage pay down, variable mortgages, refinancing, and all of that. Give him a crash course on how we can use the equity in our home. So then Neil was like, okay, I get it. So that's going to be the source of capital for us to do. I think at the time we were poised for about four deals. And um, I mean, ultimately, Neil really leaned heavily on the mentor because the mentor was essentially shadowing us in the background. So as we were working through the offer process, that really wasn't the hard part because we had purchased properties before. I mean, we owned our own personal residence and we had just moved into a new home. So we had recently transacted. So we knew the logistics of buying and selling. The part that was new to us was all of the rent-to-own logistics. Rent-to-owns have a, a unique layer to them. And our approach was to screen a family first, um, designate, you know, all the parameters of the rent-to-own deal. And then that family went house hunting uh, for a property in their budget with a real estate agent. And then once they found a property that they liked, that's when we step in and we actually negotiate the purchase. So those were all the moving parts that we really appreciated having the mentor um, handholding us, especially Neil. Neil really needed that security. Not that the mentor did anything earth shattering. I mean, a lot of it was common sense. A lot of it we had already been prepared for because we had been mentored for six months prior to that. Um, but just having that security blanket in case we needed it was was what Neil needed at that time. And I was like, okay, if, if this is what you need. I really, I really empowered Neil to take the lead when it came down to doing the actual deal logistics. Um, I felt that he would gain more confidence and clarity By handling all of the moving parts, because when you are hands hands on, it's the best way to learn. Rather than me kind of doing it and him watching on the sidelines, I knew that wouldn't give me the result I was looking for. And I knew as soon as we did our first deal, the second one would seem easier. And then by the fourth one, we were like, we got this.
1: So I love that you took Mr. No, and then actually turned him full on into an equal partner in the business, not even just getting his support, but he was working in it with you. That's an incredible task to undertake. And, um, I, you know, just sharing how you did that and how you went through that. I think it's really, the hard chat the hardest part and what's challenging to people is that they tend to want to defend their position and instead of sitting there and taking that stance and defending your position and again getting into that friction and going back and forth and being frustrated saying why aren't you listening but i'm showing it to you like this is exactly you know you had the insight to say i need to educate him so he understands and it can't come from me i need to like bring in other people to help assist teaching him and I think that that was definitely critical now tell me how are you guys doing working together now (laughs) we're now fast forward (laughs) like 10 12 years how is it now working together is he still Mr. No is there still like times when you have to like work with that
0: you know he considers himself Mr. No but he spells it (gasps) K-N-O-W
1: my god that's awesome that is amazing i just got goosebumps that is amazing and the no is still in there you got to come up with an acronym for the k and the w do you have something you gotta like come up with something <laughs> something neil oliver or something yeah king neil oliver something and oh, we gotta we gotta do this anyway give him some branding oh wow but yeah Mr. No. i love that
0: idea yeah he's 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 definitely done a one eighty It's been quite a transformation um in terms of his appreciation of what we know uh what we've learned and also the impact that we're having what's what's been apparent in this journey is that not only have we achieved that big harry audacious vision that I had where we were both able to replace our full time incomes about you know 5 years after we started on this journey as of 2014 you know we also co-wrote a book that was an interesting experience. Um, That was a huge milestone for us. We'd never written a book before. And we saw uh, an opportunity to educate homebuyers on how rent-to-own works, because there was a lot of misinformation and lack of knowledge. And we figured that it'll be so much easier for investors like us working with homebuyers who are educated. Mm -hmm. So there's no resource for them on the market. Let's just create that resource. So We set out and we wrote a book. Um, And then, you know, that was a a big milestone. And then, of course, we exited our job. So, not only his job and my job, we exceeded our earning uh, potential, or sorry, our our earnings in the corporate world um, within five years of of starting this together. And in that process, not only have we reached our own personal goals, we have helped so many homebuyers achieve their goals and overcome the barriers to home ownership. And I think that's what keeps us in this. And that's what keeps us so grounded in in wanting to just, you know, stay here and and do more. Mm-hmm. So Neil has definitely been instrumental in this because his his cautious lens actually helped us re-engineer how rent-owns were done because what, what we saw clearly through our experience with the mentor is what not to do, believe it or not. Just because you're learning from someone or training with someone doesn't mean that they're doing it exactly spot on. And when we kind of looked under the hood, Neil started to see ways to enhance and improve our methodology that would allow Neil to sleep better at night. And that in of itself empowered him so much at the beginning, but really where it showed its value was you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years later, where our rent-owned model is so rock solid, no matter what's happening with mortgage rates, not no matter what's happening with the real estate market, our model is consistently producing predictable, reliable cash flow. Um, with very little variance. And it's very hard to do that because there's so many unknowns in a real estate um, investment deal.
1: It really is. Okay. So now you got me curious. I got people that are listening right now that are curious. Let's talk a little bit about that strategy, the RTO strategy, which is the rent-owned strategy. And I, I do want to talk about the giving back component to, I think a lot of people talk about the strategy, but they leave out the part about how you are helping other people achieve their dream of home ownership through this program. So I do want to talk about the numbers, how it is that you're getting these consistent results, whether it's an up and a down market and, and how, um, these people are getting home ownership, how, what you're doing, which is getting, being on track for your goals is helping other people achieve their goals as well.
0: One of the things that we did from the very beginning is we kind of said, okay, well, rent to own is the kind of thing where we're buying the property today and these tenant buyers, these families are moving in and they're offsetting our risk tremendously because they're not coming in with first and last month's rent. They're giving us a down payment. They're giving us $20,000, dollars $40,000 of their hard-earned money. So they have skin in the game offsets how much capital we have to tie up and anchors um, them to the deal, which reduces risk. So, you know, a risk averse person like Mr. No thought that was fantastic. So great, that's working for us. But where there was some volatility was, okay, well, interest rates today are, say, 3%. How do we know what the interest rates are going to be three years from now, when these homebuyers are applying for their own mortgage to buy that home that they've been renting to own will they actually qualify so neil had this great idea well why don't we run the numbers based on an inflated interest rate so if interest rates today are 3% well we'll run their affordability at 5% that way if interest rates go higher we've already accounted for that buffer okay so wait
1: wait hang on so a you so you you were doing the stress test before the government were you the ones that brought this to the government and said, hey, guys, this is working really well for us. If you want to protect the markets and and lower your defaults on mortgages and protect the whole mortgage industry, you have to do what we're doing. <laughs> That's awesome that you were doing the stress. I think we're, last, we're of this. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Through
0: osmosis, we probably did influence that uh, stress test. But to your point, Neil introduced the stress test as part of our rent-to-own strategy back in 2009. Wow, when stress test wasn't even a thing.
1: Wow, that wasn't even a conceptual thing. That's crazy. Good on you. Okay, rates never did go up, so. by the way, they just kept going down. But anyway, fast forward. So yeah, so now you're helping people, you're, you're taking uh, a, a deposit from them so that you can buy the house on their behalf. And then you were qualifying them to try to make sure you're setting them up for success to eventually buy the house from you. Is that the concept?
0: Exactly. And we predetermine what price they're going to be exiting at, at the beginning. So it's very transparent. We know exactly what they're buying the house for, and we know exactly what kind of cash flow and exactly what kind of profit from the sale we're going to be generating. And it's just a question of um, them paying on time. hmm
1: Yeah. And the, the other thing is, too, the benefit to doing RTO, would you say, is when they move in and they know they're eventually going to take possession of the property as their own, they typically take better care of it than a normal rental tenant, would you say?
0: Beyond what I say, I I would guarantee it, simply because their money is riding on it. That initial deposit that they're coming in with, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, is not refundable. If they do not Comply with the contracts, and part of the stipulation is that they have to handle maintenance and repairs. So not only do they have to be proactive; if they're not proactive, they're going to be out of pocket. Listen, if they go to the bank and get a mortgage, whether it's a an A lender mortgage, a B lender mortgage, or a private mortgage, they're not calling the bank to say, "I've got a leaky faucet or a clogged toilet, come and fix it." Mm -hmm. It's no different in a rent home.
1: Yep, they got to take full ownership of the property that they're eventually going to buy before they even buy it because that's their property so i i love that because i think like i've heard stories with rent to own and i know yourself there's others that i know in the rent to own space and like the maintenance and the the amount of headaches that they have to deal with as landlords because technically you are a landlord for the first 24 36 maybe even 48 months But you don't have those phone calls in the middle of the night. You don't have leaky faucets or clogged toilet phone calls. The management is very minimal and it's easier to manage. But I've heard stories where... Tenants go above and beyond that. They'll start building sheds in the back or, you know, redoing the driveway and, you know, painting and just like upgrading the house because it's their home that they're eventually going to take possession of. And so I just think it's it's brilliant. It's beautiful. And then ultimately you're helping them. Now, what happens? Why can't they just buy the house in the beginning? If they're giving you tens of thousands of dollars, why aren't they just buying the house themselves?
0: Mm. Well, that's uh, something called credit. So people might have great jobs, but their credit isn't always keeping pace with what the banks consider to be good credit. So, you know, we're human. We go through setbacks. You know, I had my own set of setbacks when I was diagnosed with cancer. Do you think I was keeping up with my credit card payments? Mm -hmm. I I fell behind. I know what it's like to see my credit drop. But it wasn't because I was um, malicious or because I had ill intent or I was, you know, um, a bad debtor. It's just because my life at that time was focused on being a brand new mom, spending as much time as I could with my child and, and fighting cancer. So... My 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 credit suffered in that experience, and we work with a lot of people who have gone through something similar or something even worse. You know, some of our tenant buyers have had something as drastic as the death of a child. You know, that that's a pretty significant setback emotionally, financially. Uh, people who've you know uh, lost businesses, people who were swindled by partners in businesses. You know, divorces. I was
1: going to say that. Swindled <laughs> by <up> divorce. <laughs> who who
0: hasn't? <laughs> Yeah, the matrimonial debt loads. You know, there's usually some sort of um, a heavy life, you know, setback. Mm -hmm. And those are the people that we are helping. We're helping them when they're ready to make a fresh start, when they're ready to get back in that saddle. And they need a helping hand. And the banks look at their credit and judge them that they have, you know, um, a 580 credit score. They have maybe $40,000 saved up for a down payment. They have a great job, but their credit score is not really reflective of what the bank is looking for. They don't fit into the bank's box. Mm -hmm. So those are the perfect people who need a helping hand, who are going to fight for their opportunity to become homeowners. And those are the people that we want to support in their fight.
1: And the thing is, is that you might have $40,000 for a down payment for a house now. And in, in our area, at least it's not enough. And for people, and this is where I have a hard time and I feel really terrible for people who aren't in the home ownership space yet. They're like, okay, well now I just need to save more for the down payment. But the price of housing is going up so fast that you're chasing a moving needle. You might save six or seven thousand dollars this year and then another six or seven thousand dollars next year, but now you're at you know, for 55, maybe sixty thousand dollars. But now the amount that you needed has also gone up, so you're just chasing a moving target. And I think what's nice about the RTO program is that it sets the bar so that now they don't have to chase that moving target because you know what the sale price of the house is going to be, you'd make sure that they qualify based on their income and their credit they have time to do their credit repair i think it's beautiful i think it's great and now you're getting people back into home ownership or even a home ownership for the first time which is absolutely beautiful um wow like wow we unpacked so much right there okay last thing i'm curious how many because i i know it's a big number i know it's a big number how many rtos have you done over the last you know decade and a half
0: we are well over 600 um and i think this year we're probably going to be closer to 700 by the end of this year it it's definitely exciting and i mean we're talking in combination of you know 24 month deals 36 month deals and 48 month uh 48 month deals um and we haven't done them all alone i mean i can't possibly take on that many mortgages i wish i could but But I can't. Some of these have been, you know, joint venture partnerships and many of them. We help other investors uh, by offering them some turnkey services and packaging up the deal for them so that they can have rent-owns in their portfolio without taking on all of the cumbersome, time-consuming work uh, to put it together.
1: I think that's brilliant. So if I wanted to do RTOs, I can just come to you and work with you, but you have the knowledge, the expertise to like put the deal together and I just have to finance it and take ownership of the property. Exactly. Wow. Okay. So where do I sign up for that? So if anybody's listening and wants to, Hey, there's a lot of people out there that are busy with their jobs. And so if anybody wants to reach out to you and learn a little bit more about what your services are and how you do that, how do they reach out to you, Rachel?
0: Uh, they can just uh visit a website called hellocashflow.ca uh-huh. and um jump on that site. You'll learn a little bit more about what we do. And uh there's a link there to connect with me. Hellocashflow.ca.
1: That is brilliant. I love that. I'm in. You got me sold. I'm so in. <laughs> That's awesome. That's too bad I got my capital tied up in my own stuff right now. <laughs> But I know where to call you when I'm doing a refinance. That is amazing. Well listen, Rachel, I am so pleased that you were able to come up onto the show today and, and give some of your valuable time. I know like everybody's so crazy busy right now with our market the way it is and uh, and I know you're doing lots of transactions. So I do appreciate you cutting out some time in your schedule for us, sharing your story with our audience, letting us know how you went from miss to No to Mr. No, k n o w through RTO I love that so thank you so much before we go do you have any last words of wisdom to share with uh with the audience before we go
0: I think um you know the the biggest word of advice I can say is you know when there's a why there's always a way Mm -hmm. so no matter who's holding you back stick to your why and just fight for that way
1: yeah I think um there's always a way you're so, and that, you know, and you just highlighted how you can overcome that was, that was a big note when your husband, when your husband is the closest person to you is um, holding you back a little bit and you were able to overcome that. So I really appreciate you sharing your story. And when there's a why there is a way guys, there is a way Rachel has said it here and I'm just writing it down actually, cause I don't want to forget that. So thank you for sharing that, Rachel. I am looking forward to the next time we see each other again in person, which I know is actually gonna be really, really soon. Looking forward to that. And for to you, my audience, thank you so much for showing up again yet this week and being so dedicated. I love that you guys are here every day. I'm hoping that we can share with you guys our stories and our knowledge so that we can help you on your real estate journey. And don't forget, share your stories with me, DM me. You can pop it in on the comments. Um, but just let me know if there's anything here that resonates with you because I always love hearing those stories. Rachel Oliver, thank you so much for sharing. I appreciate your time um, and I hope you have a fantastic, fantastic rest of your week. Thanks so much. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Danielle.
1: This is Danielle Chason signing out for the Let's Get Real Estate podcast where real people are doing real estate. Bye for now.